Welcome to the Odyssey Podcasts. This is Jean Cavellos, Director of Odyssey. Odyssey is an intensive six-week workshop for writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror whose work is approaching publication quality and for published writers who want to improve their work. Odyssey is held each summer on the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Adult writers from all over the world apply. Only 16 are admitted. Top authors, editors, and agents serve as guest lecturers. For more information, visit www.odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast 57 is an excerpt from a lecture by John Joseph Adams at Odyssey 2011 on the short fiction market. The text of this recording is copyright 2011 by John Joseph Adams. The sound recording is copyright 2011 by Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust. Yes, so simultaneous submissions differs from multiple submissions. Uh, multiple submissions means sending more than one submission at the same time to the same market. Simultaneous is, you know, don't send the same story to multiple markets, but also most places don't want you to send more than one submission to the same market at the same time. So basically, you know, send one submission and wait for a response before you send your second one to the same market. A lot of writers, you know, especially when a market has a really long response time, I, I can understand how it would be very aggravating. But no market I know of actually wants multiple submissions. Like, I mean, you, you might get a case where an editor reads something of yours and likes it and says, hey, do you have anything else I can take a look at? And in that case, they're inviting you to do that. But don't do that unsolicited. At Fantasy and Lightspeed, you know, I, I usually respond in two or three days. So... For me, like, there's no real reason to, to simultaneously submit anywhere, and, and there's no real need to multiply submit either, and, and actually our submission system won't actually even allow you to do that. And like I said, since it's two-day turnaround, you can just wait. Or actually, uh, actually, you can only submit once every seven days. The submission uh, system doesn't allow you to do more than that. Uh, that was built into it before I was involved, but I mean, I kind of like it just because and it's good for you guys, too, because when I was at FNSF, you know, we would have a sort of a three-day turnaround there, even with postal submissions. So, I mean, there were, honestly, authors who I would get, like, two stories a week. The thing is, it, it also sort of makes it seem like you're just churning them out, and you're not, you're not devoting any time to honing your craft, and you're not revising, and, and so it, it kind of makes you seem amateurish, and that's not what you want to come across as, obviously. So, so keep that in mind for markets that don't have any sort of cap, you know, um, you know, once a week is a good minimum rule. Like, I mean, and, and in most cases, that seems too fast to me. Like, I mean, once you're established, maybe at that point, you, you can write good stories in that short of time. But when you're just starting out or when you're new, you're still learning your way, I think it's very unlikely that you're going to actually turn out pro-quality story in that short span of time. So definitely keep that in mind that you should devote a lot of time to honing these things before you send them out. And resist the urge, please, from... <laughs> from finishing the story and then sending it off right away. I know that's a real uh, temptation, especially with electronic submissions, because you don't even have to print it out. You don't have to put it in an envelope. You don't have to wait for the mail. You can just, oh, I finished. I can just mail it right now. Refrain from doing that if you can, and at least think it over for a day or two after you finish it so that you have time to process and uh, you know, think about what you may, have, may want to change or, or, or anything like that. You know, we want to... We want to be as respectful of writers as possible, and uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we try to respond so quickly, um, like one-year response times or even several months response times. That I mean, that has never made any sense to me, and, it, and it's because, you know, the thing is, like, everybody spends the same amount of time reading the slush. 
it's not like at the markets that take a year or, or several months. It's not like they agonize over each piece of slush and they really debate whether or not to take it. You know, it's like they're dismissing it just as quickly as anybody else. You know, they're spending as much time on each piece as anybody else. It's just that they let it pile up. And I, I don't like that. I mean, writhing is hard enough without adding agonizing wait times into it. So, I mean, one of the things that we really tried to establish at the magazines is this feeling that we respect writers and we, we want to do that as much as possible, and which includes, you know, never, like I have a, I specifically have a rule for my slush readers to never tweet or post publicly about anything you encounter in the slush pile. Like, you know, don't say, oh, I just read some terrible story or whatever, you know, because then suddenly everybody who has a story on submission feels terrible because they're like, oh, I hope that wasn't mine, you know. And so, like, I mean, that's like the one of the most unprofessional things I think you can do and so like I always try to I try to make it clear to everybody that they're not to do that and I mean that includes talking about it at cons and everything as well just because you know you know you, you might end up talking to somebody that you don't even realize it was their submission or something and it's just, it's just like the worst feeling in the world I can imagine having that happen to you so getting back to cover letters um, if an author is listing previous publications and uh, should he list small markets, online markets, non-paying markets, or self-published works? So online markets definitely, you know, I mean I'm a little biased obviously, I edit two online magazines, but a lot, I think a lot of the best genre fiction is being published online today. I mean you have Lightspeed and Fantasy, you have Clark's World, you have Tor.com, you have Apex, just to name a few. Um, so definitely plenty of online markets are, are definitely valid markets to list. And, and, you know, again, it doesn't necessarily matter, per se, what markets you do list in your cover letter. I mean, for the smaller markets, it's really a judgment call. Like, if you're submitting to pro magazines, it's not really going to matter, like, if you list these magazines that, like, I, I haven't heard of or I've only heard of in cover letters, you know. Like, those, those are kind of red flags. I mean, it's like, oh, well, uh, I'm aware of that market, but only because a bunch of terrible writers have put it in their cover letter. And, I mean, that's a hard thing to figure out which markets are going to have that reputation. But basically, you know, anything that pays like $10 or things like that, I mean, or most of those are, are not worth mentioning. Although there's a few like like Shimmer and Lady Churchill's Roadblood Bristlet and Electric Velocipede. These are like smaller markets that don't pay a lot, but they have a lot of uh, respectability in the community. And again, I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter what markets you list. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily going to impress anyone or whatever if you list like a little tiny market. But... Um, Consider the venue when you're when you're listing previous publications. Like maybe if you're um, if you're submitting to like standard genre markets, maybe don't mention like erotica sales or you know even if there's genre erotica, you know I mean because there's plenty of that. But you know it's fine. You know no no disrespect if you sold stuff there, but I mean you know I don't know if that's particularly relevant. I mean that's the thing. It's like you know list relevant publishing credentials. You know and. What about listing having gone to Clarion or Odyssey? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, again, it's not necessary, but I mean, uh, it doesn't hurt. And uh, it's nice to see, it's nice to see when people are graduates sometimes, especially if it's people who have submitted to you before, and then you see their stuff later so that you can sort of uh, track how people have grown after the experience. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely uh, worth mentioning. Okay, and then so, on a sort of similar note, uh, does it matter if uh, an author is a member of CIFWA or, or is engaged on, in social media, like on Facebook and Twitter and, and whatnot? So, CIFWA, that's the Science Fiction Writers of America. It's fine to mention if you're in CIFWA. Um, if you get, like, one pro sale, you can become, like, an associate member, I think is the term. It's fine if you do that. And, I mean, really, though, like, I mean, I would only bother joining CIFWA, like, if you actually think that there's 
stuff that they can help you with, like if, if it offers you networking opportunities or if you want access to their grievance committee or whatnot. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not going to do much for you in a cover letter. I mean, sadly, there are a lot of terrible writers in CIFWA. I know that's probably very disillusioning, but uh, it is true. The thing is, over the course of the organization's history, what qualifies as a professional market has sort of varied a lot. And so a lot of stuff that was a professional market in the old days wouldn't be considered professional now. And maybe a market that was sort of briefly professional qualified a lot of writers who were maybe not really professional quality writers. So, I mean, there's a lot of terrible writers and stuff. Um, yeah. What about recommendations? Um, yeah, like if, like if you were here or something and, and, you know, you had an instructor who said, oh, you should send this to Lightspeed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's perfectly fine to mention. Um, really only mention that if they specifically think that your story is a good fit for that market as opposed to, like, they're talking broadly and saying, oh, you should send all of your science fiction stories to Lightspeed. Like, you know, they'll mention it then because then that devalues that sort of thing and, and no one will ever be able to take it seriously. Um, you know, like, so, like, if you specifically workshop the story with an author or other professional or whatever, and they said, oh, you should send it here, you know, yeah, that's fine to mention. But uh, on the subject of mentioning if you're in CIFWA or not, uh, one thing I'm actually kind of curious to see is if, like, if you're, like, a new member of CIFWA, like, if you just joined, that will probably be implied by your other publishing credits, like, if you sold a story, a professional story somewhere, you'd probably have mentioned that earlier, but, um, like, if you're a new member of CIFWA, that, that might be something I would want to know, just because it's, like, I might not be familiar with your work already, and if you're just joined CIFWA, that means that you've recently made a couple pro sales, and if I'm not already familiar with your work, then maybe I want to pay attention. Um, and then as far as uh, social media goes, especially for an online magazine, like a, a social media savvy writer is great, but I can't say that I've ever factored that into my decision when buying a story. Most of the time I, I know very little about the authors, uh, I mean, unless that's somebody I'm already familiar with. When I'm buying stories from authors that um, I haven't worked with before, generally all I know about them is what's in their cover letter. And generally people don't say, oh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, you know, and like, you know, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't brag about you're on Twitter or whatever, nobody cares. You know, it is great if you are, but um, especially, like I said, for an online magazine, but it's, it's not a factor for me, anyway. So as an editor, like, what is my focus for Lightspeed and what is my focus for fantasy? So for Lightspeed, uh, you know, my, my broad focus is just science fiction, but what I really focus on is accessible SF. Like, accessibility is the probably the, the most important thing to me um, that that I think is maybe lacking in, in other markets. Because um, like I was saying, you know, I don't want readers to have to need a, a master's degree in SF to be able to understand the story. It's like, because there's a lot of uh, writers who are sort of uh, widely acclaimed sort of right now who um, who I feel like, you know, yes, as a, as a sophisticated science fiction reader with a lot of experience, I can read and enjoy these stories, but they can really, I mean, even for me, they can be hard to, to get into sometimes, and so I can only imagine what somebody who's never read a science fiction story or is very new to the genre would uh, feel when they're encountering that. And I actually see this as an issue a lot when I see people recommending, um, like, you know, what are the, what's, the best, what's the best stuff to recommend to people who, I want to get them into science fiction, but they, they've never tried it. And, and I see a lot of people who recommend stuff that, that is this sort of this master's level stuff, and I'm like, I don't, I don't see how people are going to access that. Like, I mean, my favorite book is actually The Stars of My Destination by Alfred Bester, but while that's something that I think is something that you can give to somebody fairly new to science fiction, it wouldn't be the first thing I'd give them. Like, I think you'd want to sort of set the baseline with something a little bit more accessible than that first. So, right, so accessible SF is what I'm basically focused on at light speed. Um, and then otherwise, as I was saying, you know, all types of, all subgenres of SF and 
And then a fantasy, uh, there's no real focus per se, except that just, you know, all types of fantasy. And, and again, accessibility is just as important to me there. For instance, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of really complex fantasy out there that I wouldn't necessarily um, want something like that for, for Fantasy Magazine, just because, you know, again, I want it to be, you know, I want newer readers to be able to read the stories and, and enjoy them and not sort of bounce off of them because they're written in a very Baroque style or, or um, like, for instance, Cat Valente is a great stylist and she's a great writer, but, like, The Orphan's Tales, not very accessible, very, very difficult to to get into and um, as, a, as a novice reader, I think. And so, like, something like that, like, I would probably shy away from, but um, so it's, it's something to keep in mind, you know, just, you know, keep, you know, sort of broad audiences in mind. Uh, any questions about, yeah? Did you ever publish anything that trends towards, like, dark fantasy or vaguely horror with a supernatural element? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, depending on how close towards horror, you know, because, I mean, we're not a horror magazine, but, I mean, to me, like, actually all horror is either also fantasy or science fiction or also it's psychological, in which case it's not our genre, but, um, so, like, to me, like, I, I have a hard time calling something just horror, because, like, to me, it's always, like, it's always fantasy horror, it's always science fiction horror, um, so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely fine, and, like, in Lightspeed, I've published science fiction horror, and, and in, in fantasy, uh, in October, actually, I've got a couple stories that sort of verge on horror, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're horror, per se, but, I mean, they're sort of dark and close to horror, and there's, and there's a couple others that I have that, that are sort of verge on that, but, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, um, that's definitely fine. And so, you know, what, what do I aim to provide to readers? Uh, as I was saying, I, I kind of want the magazines to be like a gateway to genre fiction, or, or genre short fiction. You know, I want to get the readers who are maybe unfamiliar with short fiction, um, who only read novels, uh, or maybe don't read science fiction generally. So I want stories that, you know, that people, you know, unfamiliar with the genre are going to be able to understand easily, while at the same time offering up content that's going to be interesting to longtime fans. Uh, because I, I, I think... I think you can be accessible and still be challenging, uh, so I don't think those two are mutually exclusive. The text of this recording is copyright 2011 by John Joseph Adams. The sound recording is copyright 2011 by Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust.